Now, let's, let's be clear, because I'm not trying to just motivate a social movement of being kind. Um, church is really not about a social movement of being kind. Church is about a love revolution that's born in the heart of humanity that transforms us into expressions of kindness as one of the many results that God wants to bring into our lives. We are born to translate something that God does within that causes a genuine, authentic expression of life. The problem with most um, ideas of religion and many church expressions, listen carefully, don't, don't, don't check out on me in my intro to this because this is important that you understand. The problem with, with many expressions of religion and even many expressions of church is that we are many times trying to perpetuate an expression of behavior without really authenticating something sincere on the inside first. Expression is the result of experience if it's going to be an authentic expression. So we're not trying to get you to act nice. In fact, we don't want you to act at all. We want you to learn just how nice Jesus is. And if you'll pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, how many know you'll do things that are well out of your league. I think something was slain in the spirit back there. Um, well out of your league because Jesus, how many of you know Jesus is nicer than you are? Can I just see? Who, who in here is not as nice as Jesus? Can I just see? And so what happens is you start going through life realizing the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do nice things, and that's true Christianity. You're experiencing something inside that becomes an expression of your life, and then you're able to fulfill more of what God's called you to do. So what I wanted to do was kind of talk with you about how to love, how to serve, how to give, right? To walk this out in our lives, we get the model, the picture of loving, the picture of serving, the picture of giving, and then we kind of increase our giving, our loving, our serving as a result of seeing that modeled right. Uh, but what I have felt like the Lord's been saying to me in all of this is He wants to drill deep in our hearts to help us take a look at maybe why we don't love the way we should and why we don't serve the way he wants us to serve and why we don't give the way he wants us to give when he has loved us so graciously. How many of you know he has loved us so graciously? He has served us so completely, and he has given to us so generously. Isn't it just automatic that when we begin to express and embrace what he has done for us, that we just naturally want to provide that and express that into the lives of others? It comes out of a transaction within our hearts. So the key phrase I started with last week, if we're not careful, it's your first blank, you fill it in. If we're not careful, we simply go through the Jesus motions without ever becoming the Jesus movement Jesus has called us to be. And we don't want to just go through the motions. We want to be the movement. We want to not just hope God will transform our workplace. We want to allow God to use us to transform our workplace. We don't want to just hope God will transform our family and our home. We want to use God to transform our family. God to use us to transform our family and our home, our neighborhood, our church family. I'm so glad you're here. And as we come together, we come through these doors, we come ready, armed, equipped, empowered, inspired by God. That's just who we are as a group of people who follow Christ. And so I, I thought it'd be good today, I'm going to invite one of our elders, Derek Wilson, if he would come and join me. He's going to take a few moments and, and share specifically, over the years I've watched this guy 
as he is deeply devoted and truly convicted about serving his church family and serving the Lord. And I've asked him just to take a couple of moments and kind of tell us why. But I, I caught a picture of him this morning. He doesn't know that I did this. But if you'll put that picture up, I was walking through, and there he was out there. He's probably helping with the kids this morning, and he's out there sweeping between the buildings, and he's serving on the worship team, and he's just always available to help anywhere at all. If you've been around here for any length of time, you know Derek and Crystal are such a blessing to our church family, and this guy is on it. So come on, Derek. Um, I said my name is Derek Wilson, and it's a pleasure to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, you know, uh, to explain the picture, we'll go back in time a little bit. Uh, way back in the 1900s, you know, that time <laughs> before Androids and Wi-Fi, you know, the, the dark ages, you know, <laughs> I joined the United States Air Force, and I think that really had a, an impression for me upon my life. But even before that, I was... Um, I'm a third-generation preacher's kid, and so, you know, I, have, I've, I pretty much spent most of my growing adult life or kid life in, in church. I mean, every day pretty much was a, another day of church, you know, it was either uh, the, the prayer service or practice for this or worship for that or this service or that service. So, I had to spend a lot of my time in there and just observing people who had given their whole lives to the cause of Christ. You know, my grandfathers, they, you know, they, they, they pastored small churches, and they, um, they, you know, they gave everything they had to it. I mean, each and every day, their whole thought was, what can I do more to, to, uh, to, to push forward the kingdom of God? With the little bit that they had, they pushed forward to that. Even to one, uh, one of my father, grandfather's church was burned down in an area, and he had to, I mean, he pretty much built that thing back up from nothing. Each day, and he would be there, and it was, to me, it was that dedication to Christ that really sank down deep into me. So, when I got in the Air Force, you know, <laughs> I was the run of the litter, and, and it, you know, I was on the must-eat program. You know, sometimes people would come into the Air Force, and they'd be on the, on the fat boy program, but I was on the opposite end. I was on the must-eat program. I had to gain a minimum of 15 pounds, or I couldn't graduate because I was that far underweight. And so, but as you get into the Air Force and you're, uh, you're, you're getting your assignments and they're telling you what you're going to do, and, and what will happen is in between your assignments, you'll have, you'll be in a status. And a status is called AFI. It stands for Awaiting Further Instruction. And, uh, and in training, you would hate to see that because what that means was that you're probably going to be sent off to, to march endless miles in a parade or you're going to be cleaning thousands of dishes at the KP, or you, I mean, you're going to do some horrible job. But early in that, I, I was assigned to a, uh, to a cleaning crew. And in that cleaning crew, I was, you know, you know, the AFI sergeant was pretty rough. So he said, hey, I want my floors to shine like a, a sea of glass. And if it's not, then you will pay for it. <laughs> and so we'd go in, we'd mop and sweep, and, we're, and we would, um, you know, get the big buffing machines and you know, we'd buff and shine and wax, and we'd have it clean. And, you know, and I, I, I got on that crew a couple of times, and I really came, you know, really good at that. And so it came to me that every time that I was on that status of AFI, that it would seem that I would be assigned to a clean crew. And it got so much that even that they were, other squadrons would request me to come help their cleaning crews 
to sign the floors for, you know, some general or some, you know, uppity upcoming. <laughs> and so, and so that kind of explains, so in that time while I was doing that, I could, uh, it was way better than marching, of course, and, you know, raking rocks and sweeping streets. And so uh, we also would let, we, they would let us use our Walkmans. You know, remember Walkmans, you know, with the big puffy, you know, headphones and a cassette deck, you know. And so we could do that instead of being out there having all the rest of the so-called fun they would have us doing. And so, but I could just, I could be there and I could be with Jesus. I could just worship. I could just, just relax. I could find my zone of clarity there. And that's kind of where this comes from. You know, uh, and this really started a couple years ago. I was, I was traversing from here to the youth or to the children's area, and I was going to do some work, and I, I, was, I was walking through, and I, I stopped because the breezeway was a disaster. I mean, it looked like, like it was bird apocalypse back there. It was bird pieces, of poop, and, and worms. It was horrible, and I'm not a bird guy. I mean, birds freak me out, you know, ever since the movie. You know, all I can think is, you're not getting my bird, my eyes, birds, you know, you're not getting me. Yeah, if you see the movie, you know what I'm saying. But I, I, I just don't like birds. I just, just, I just don't like it. I was like, God, somebody should really handle this. You know, somebody should come and say, you know, knock this out. People shouldn't have to deal with this trying to go from here to there. And you know, God was like, yeah, somebody should really knock. I was like, yeah, somebody should knock this out. We worshiping Jesus. We should be worried about these nasty birds. He's like, I felt he was saying, yeah. Somebody should knock that out. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. So I was, you know, I found some stuff, found the equipment, and, you know, I found, found that out for, for me, for my rhythm before I was going to go serve, that I could once again find that place where I could just be centered. You know, I found that place, and, I, and, I, I'm, and I'm, good, I'm good at it. I can make a broom make wonders. And so, it, you know, it's one of those things that, for me, that, that helped me be, more centered in my service to God because I love, I love him and he loves me and I love my Pete, my friends and family that are here. And so that's just my way that I could express that. You know, in Ephesians uh, 2.10 says that, that we are made in his workmanship, that we are unique. Why? To do the work of God, God's good work. And I believe that's where everywhere, every person around here is. Sometimes you're thinking, hey, how can I serve? What can I do when you're thinking, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just waiting, I'm AFI, I'm awaiting further instruction. But I don't believe that you are. I believe that, the order, that God has ordered your steps, that all the things that you have gone through in your life is leading you to a path that's given you the, the distinct possibilities and, and, and ways and, and knowledge and training that you can use for, the, for this kingdom. And we don't just want that, we need that. The Bible says every joint supplies. We need you. You are a needed part. Now, I know you could say, well, Derek, I'm uh, like Josh would say, I'm, I'm allergic to brooms. I can't be out there swimming. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, a, uh, he's a prior officer, so we got to give him a jab. But, you know, <laughs> so I just, you know, but you can say, Derek, I, I can't be. I, I, I know that there is something in your hand. Uh, Mr. Wade reminded us of that. This week, he said, what is in your hand? What has God given you today? So I believe that today, as pastor speaks, there will be something awakened inside of you that will pro propel you to do the thing that God has given you to do. So, all right, so I thank you, and I appreciate you hearing my story.
So um, there are some people who come and make um, church the expression that the church is really needing to be. And then there are others that come and have the experience that other people are providing. And so today, obviously, we're talking about serving. Worship doesn't just happen because we show up to receive worship. Worship happens because people are coming on Tuesday nights to worship practice. Um, they're devoting themselves to hours. I see uh, Jeff and Chrissy and their tribal unit, their four kids up here morning, noon, and night, particularly in those days. So I, I just want to say to you, to James, to all of the team up here, how much we appreciate having the expression of worship in this house that God has really entrusted to our care. And I'm so thankful that somebody makes coffee and somebody greets at the door and somebody is right now handling lights and sound and audio and online expression and kids ministry and all the things that it takes. And obviously, we are driving to be as effective as we can be as a church family. And our challenge is that we not just show up to experience what other people provide, but we be the people who are providing what other people experience. That we not just come to church, but we be the church. And uh, I've just observed over the course of time very clearly that taking place. So what I want us to do is get a healthy perspective of this, because what I don't want to do is club you over the head and manipulate you because I make you feel bad into doing something. That's just not healthy. And I really want God to bring a healthy atmosphere in all areas, all elements of our church. And so what I want to challenge you to, to maybe take your note card and write this down. It's not on there. It was crazy, because in the middle of the night, I felt the Holy Spirit woke me up to tell me something. And then he put me back to bed. Um, it was too early for me to get up. I usually will get up whenever I sent something from the Lord because I want to write it down and remember it. And the Lord literally at like 3 o'clock in the morning woke me. I knew it was God because as soon as I woke up, the phrase was just rehearsing in my head. And like I was in dreamland. And all of a sudden I wake up and I have this phrase. And I start rehearsing it thinking it's too early for me to get up, but I don't want to forget this. And I, and I just went back to sleep, and as soon as I woke up to my alarm, I started rehearsing the phrase, and I brought it with me today to share with you, and I want you to write it down. I want you to remember this, and I want you to think about it, because it is vitally important to what I have to say. You have the God-given ability within you to change the world around you. We have the God-given ability within us to change the world around us. God's put it there. He's deposited it there. Different people have different skill sets, gifts, inclinations, things that excite them, things that are appealing to them. Different expressions of gifts show up in different ways. Nobody is supposed to do what everybody else does. Everybody needs to discover what God put in you and why. And you need to discover that, cultivate that, respond to that, and allow the Holy Spirit's prompting to take you deeper into that expression of your life. You have the God-given ability within you to change the world around you. And so, Again, when I felt like I was going to start talking about how to love, how to serve, how to give, I, I, I then realized God's drilling down to reach that God-given ability within us to awaken something, activate something that will produce an expression that's genuinely born from the spirit realm. Do you hear the sound of something different than what re conventional religion tries to bring? 
Like God wants to drill down into your heart and discover who you are, help you discover who you are, not who other people want you to be, who He created you to be, and you then begin to bring that expression of your life. We need that expression. We don't need the expression that we try and cater you into. We need you to be the expression God has called you to be. And many times in the church world, we we handle this so much that we reduce the expression to something that's not even characterizing the deposit God put in your life. But I just want to say again, you have the God-given ability within you to change the world around you, so you be you. You be who God's called you to be, and let that be the expression of your life. As we went into this year, 2017, with the revelation, you know, it's a New Year's revelation for us, not just a New Year's resolution, but what's God speaking about 2017? We knew that God was stirring. Love is our source. In a year that's been filled with very uh, unloving challenges in many respects, a lot of things we've seen in all fronts of this nation this year has really had an absence of kindness and a lack of love. This is a year God said to the church, "Love is our. let love be our source. When people give us kindness, it's easy to give them what they've given us, and we give them kindness. But when they are unkind, rude, hateful to us, that's when we have to give them what God gave us instead. In other words, what He deposited in our life takes control of the expression of who we are. It's everything I'm trying to communicate today as we get into this and we express that and begin to understand that. This really speaks of our willingness to allow the expression of our lives to be born from the deposits God placed within our hearts. That's why I'm standing up here in worship and I said, put your hand on your heart. So God's not trying to turn you into, uh, you know, some, some guys have a tough time in church because like we think we want everybody to be like a Mr. Rogers, calm down and, and be sweet and be humble, happy. And, and I just want to say we need some Rambos in the house. We need, we need every expression. We need, we need some people that will rise up and be who God's called them to be and stop feeling like they have to become something they're not. And if you're Mr. Rogers, be Mr. Rogers. But if you're Rambo, don't put on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood jacket, okay? You be who God's called you to be, and we're all okay with that. Everybody has to find that place and become that expression that God desires for them to be to their world. And that only happens when we internalize correctly. So we started in this progression of backwards progression last week in Isaiah chapter 54. In verse 17, it says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against you. I'm saying this, and I want to ask you to translate. Let this, see, the the problem is we hear verses, and sometimes we have our devotion, and we don't let it really internalize. We need to digest things spiritually so that it produces something out of our lives. And I want to say to you, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon. There, There will be weapons formed against you. They simply will not prosper. And the authority of God belongs to you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. No situation in your life will prevail and destroy you. God will, God will declare his victorious spirit from within you, and you then begin to bring that expression once you take hold of this word. See, the more convinced you are of God's word, the more convinced you get that God's word is true, the more readily the expression of your life comes from the inside rather than the outside. Because some people, when I say no, no weapon formed against you will prosper, then, then what happens, they start translating and thinking about their outward circumstances, questioning God because, well, this happened and that happened and I've got this pressure and I've got this pain. I'm saying there's something inside you that can erupt out of you that can change all of that around you. 
What I'm trying to say is you have the God-given ability within you to change the situations around you. So we took this verse and we went backwards, and then we saw a few verses earlier, a contextualizing of that verse that broadened the picture of what was actually being said. This is not just about you. This is not just about parents. This is about an infant baby that we lay our hands on and we commission and we declare. This is about a household. This is about a legacy. This is about your children. This is about your children's children. This is about a generation of your legacy, spiritual and natural, that is going to come alive long after you have been dead, but because there's a legacy you're leaving in the earth, there's something that can be awakened and released within their heart. I'm calling down the blessing of God that belongs to me because of Bertha Swilling. I know you don't know who she is, but she speaks. As I'm speaking, she speaks. As I'm speaking, her voice of faith is being heard because this was my grandmother's mother who took my mom to Bible to vacation Bible school to, to introduce her to Jesus so that we then would come to know who Christ really is. It was my great-grandmother that is the, the reason behind my faith today, my answering the call of God today. It is her voice speaking in my mouth right now because that is the legacy of her life. How will your voice speak after you're gone? How will your voice speak? In the context of this, no weapon formed against you shows up in family. And we saw this last week, verse 13, four verses earlier. All your sons will be taught of the Lord, and well-being of your sons and daughters will be great. And I sat in a community group this Wednesday night, and I listened as Charlie Glaze popped up, and he began to share a different translation of that particular verse. And it said, all of your sons and daughters will be taught by God. Your sons and daughters will be taught by God. Are you translating that and allowing that to be internalized in you right now so that it becomes an expression of your life and an attitude of faith and releases something of substance to your children? Because I'm just telling you right now, there's a, leg- there's a legacy of generations of, of my kids beyond me that are going to hear the voice of God with clarity and walk the walk of God with certainty and possess a certain confidence that comes from me pulling that down and pushing that through. All your sons and daughters will be taught by God. But I want to challenge you to understand something because love, serve, give. It's about experiencing, exploring, and expressing the generous nature of God. Listen, your children are not going to learn generosity from their buddies. They are not going to learn generosity from their buddies. They're going to be encouraged by their friends. They're going to build these relationships. They're not going to learn generosity from their buddies because that's just not what buddies do. That's what mothers and fathers do out of a state of maturity where we learn to get beyond ourselves and consider the needs of other people, and our kids pick that up from us, and it becomes a legacy that they not only understand, but they perpetuate. And when Derek is standing up here saying, I watched people give themselves to the cause of Christ all of my life as a child, he got something from watching and observing that take place. And I want you to know, Derek and Crystal have done a great job with their kids who are serving. And you might have noticed there's some offspring of the Wilson family around here dancing and shouting on the worship team. And they've been serving in kids ministry. And I want you to know, God wants to establish something of that nature in every one of our lives. So what we're going to do today is just go, 
with the time we have here, we're going to go a few verses earlier and broaden the context of this verse even more. So we saw no weapon formed against you will prosper. Then we saw the context coming into that about this being involving your sons and daughters of God who will be taught by God. And you know, when the enemy shows up and your children are being taught by God, then the enemy's getting slapped upside the head. He has to take his hands off your kids. So no weapon formed against us will prosper. All your children will be taught by God. And then we're going to broaden it more, and we're going to go a few verses earlier. And what we see in verses 1 to 4 is an incredible declaration of faith that that which God wants to release in the earth comes from within our lives. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. All this is before we read those other verses. Sing, person who cannot have a baby. That's what, that's what this is saying. A barren woman who cannot have a, never, you never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. What is Isaiah saying in this declaration? He is saying, just because you haven't doesn't mean you can't, and I'm declaring that you will. That's what he's saying. He says, stop looking at your situation, letting your situation around you take control of your life, and let God do something within you, because it is what God does within you that will change the world around you. He goes on, and he not only says, sing for joy, because this is happening, like you're celebrating a, a child. I know you've been barren. I know that it's been discouraging. I know you felt like you can't get there. I don't know what situation this aligns with with you. Your finances have been such a challenge. Your relational has been such a challenge. You know, whatever the areas in your life that you found yourself so challenged in, whatever it is, and you've just kind of resolved, that's just the way it has to be. No! Sing, barren woman who never bore a child. Burst into song. Shout for joy, you who are never in labor. Verse 2, prepare for what I said is coming, because if I said it's coming, it's coming. Enlarge the place of your tent. Get that baby room ready. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Do not be afraid. Fear and faith are enemies. Do not embrace fear. Truly embrace faith. Let this be the expression of your life. See, you've you got to understand, we have this incredible ability within us to transform the world around us. If you take a man and you drop him in the middle of a desert island, then that desert island, all of a sudden, there'll be a hunting. I mean, he, he knows he's got to do something. He will suddenly start looking for a way to hunt and catch food, to pluck and pick and hunt and do whatever it takes. There will begin to be a hut that will start to be formed. So there, the surroundings will begin to change. You were born to change your surroundings. And it's not just a matter of survival. Because after a course of time, it becomes more than just survival. The, at the atmosphere of that island begins to change. I saw Gilligan's Island. I know what we can do. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. And so it, the man can get in the situation and begin to transform the circumstances around him and make the whole thing completely different than what it was before. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve existed, and so did Harley Davidson's, but they had not yet been invented, but everything they needed to exist existed. How many of you believe it is God's will for me to drive a Harley Davidson? <laughs> you have, I'm just going to move right along, you have the creative ability within you to experience what is within your reach 
and express something greater than what you experienced because you have the creative ability of God within you to be in the Garden of Eden and one day produce Harley Davidsons, airplanes, cars. It all existed. It all existed. We just needed man and woman to manifest the gifts that were within them and translate the resources of the world. What is coming next? What's taking place next? The kingdom of God is within you. Listen to that. It's Luke chapter 17. The kingdom of God is within you. That which is in you has the power to more than conquer situations around you. God's kingdom within you is actually stronger than the world around you. Do you believe that? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, write it down. True statement. No force coming against you can compare to the power of God that is at work within you. No force coming against you can compare to the power of God that is at work within you. But we have to respond to what God has deposited to awaken another dimension of the expression of God in the earth. And if we're not careful, then we allow the circumstances that surround us to hold every resource of our lives hostage. But we don't have to do that. See, Western Christianity has used faith to attain stability and comfort. That's what, we, that's what our society, our culture that we've experienced, they've used Christianity to attain stability and comfort. But let's take a look at what a biblical blueprint shows. Biblical Christianity never used faith in Christ to attain stability and comfort. Biblical Christianity risked life and limb to see God's kingdom advance. And we have a hard time determining within ourselves that we're going to do anything other than just try to make a great life for ourselves. Is that true? Does that land on anybody in this room? It is hard for us to move beyond just the idea of, I want my life to be awesome. And I want to just tell you something. There's a truth and there's a trick. The truth is, God wants your life to be amazing and awesome. The trick is God never intended for you to be consumed with making an awesome life for yourself, but rather to be devoted to making awesome lives for other people, and that is what will make your life awesome. It's a truth coupled with a trick, and it's kind of the way the kingdom of God works. Because a lot of times when you just look straight at it, you misunderstand things because you interpret it through your own selfish agenda. I know I do. I, I feel like sometimes I'm the most selfish person on the planet. Do you ever feel that way? I mean, sometimes I just I think, what are you thinking? Why are you? It's not the example of Jesus. And I have to come back again and again and die to myself over 
and over. I probably never had a meeting with somebody who was becoming a member of our church family and had it more accurately explained than this past week with uh, Ryan and Tara Perry. Ryan Perry, Ryan Perry, you guys have got to meet if you've not. There are two of them, oh my God. (laughs) But Ryan and Tara and I were just talking about the idea of worship, using what resources you have in your life, your gift to worship and serve, your your finances to worship and serve. And, And Ryan just said, you know, for us, this is, this is a devotion to move past the wrestling match that goes on every time we increase to remind us that it all belongs to God. And I just thought, that's a pretty good description. And this is why our gathering is an important part. It's not just because we need you to show up and shout and cheer. It's because you need to let gathering be an expression of worship and submission to the Lord your God. And I'm talking consistently. Like, if you're ever trying to decide, do I go or do I not, you should go. Because this should be an expression of worship that brings you back over and over again to a routine that expresses the values of God that reminds you to take every resource of your time and every resource of your life and bring it into the expression of God's kingdom. Because you have within you the ability and the power to transform the world around you, but you got to stay tapped into that. Otherwise, the world around you is going to hold your resources hostage and hold your life hostage. Let me just say, the world is diminished by the life you don't live and the difference you don't make in the lives of other people. It's a pretty important statement, so I made it a blank today. Your world around you is diminished. It will be less than what it could have been if you choose not to live the life God's called you to live. Our world is diminished by the life we don't live and the difference we don't make in the lives of other people. This is why you are going to get a letter from me this week. And just right up front, we want to make sure everybody understands our objectives, our goals. Your third quarter giving statement, we send those out every quarter. In that statement this week, that will go out Wednesday, there will be a card. And we're asking you to prayerfully look at 2018 where you can devote the energy and resource of your life to become the expression of God's kingdom whatever that looks like for you. And on that card, there's a pledge focus that I'm going to serve this area, and this is what my giving will look like next year. And we're not asking you what, we're not trying to tell you what to do. You need to do that as a worshipful expression to God. You need to personally deal with that wrestling match within you, constantly coming back to that posture of submission so that God is awakening something within you and showing you that no matter what the limitation may look like around you, God is able to take you beyond the limitation into a place of great advancement and give that example for other people to see. God wants to expand your life. Do you understand? He wants to not only expand your life, He wants to expand your legacy. The death of Christ is the life of the church. And we're flourishing because of his sacrifice, and now it's our turn. And so on that November the 5th will be a focus where we respond and set some projections for 2018. We're going to do that together. So I want to ask you, your action point this week is pretty simple. Pray about your 2018 New Year's revelation. What's God speaking to you for this next year? 
Love is Our Source has been a great expression for me just to all year think about and come back to over and over again. But God's ready to begin to reveal some things that we need to embrace in the year to come, taking us to another dimension of His expression. And I'm very excited about what's coming. And I want to ask you in your own family, in your own life, what is your New Year's revelation? Make New Year's resolutions, but begin to ask the Lord for your New Year's revelation, what He wants to focus on in the course of the year. And Lord, we know that you're always trying to deal with our hearts. Right now, you're tampering with some deep, deep recesses of our lives, deep in our hearts. Lord, I know that when we allow you to deal with what's going on in our hearts, it really becomes the key to dealing with what's going on in our lives. And I pray right now, Lord, for those that are going through storms in this room, that they would be able to navigate through the storm with ever allowing the storm to get in them, and that because of that, what is in them, the peace of God, can prevail, and they can declare, peace be still to every storm because of what you are doing within. God, help us to understand the authority that is available to us. And may we love, and may we serve, and may we give in such a way that it expresses your kingdom effectively in the mighty name of Jesus.